More injuries for the New Orleans Saints, breaking down the loss to Philadelphia by the numbers. And a look at Mark Ingram's day, which was spoiled by a fumble. But did he have the best day for a Saints offensive player? We'll talk about all that and a little bit of Lanyap on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into today's episode of Locked On Saints. It's an analytics Tuesday episode. It's your daily podcast covering the favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making us your first listen of the day every day here on Locked On Saints. Don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. Now, if you missed it, just want to remind you, did a whole breakdown of Taysom Hill's new contract yesterday. So make sure you go and check it out. It was the second episode on Monday. So don't miss that as we broke down that whole four-year, $40 million that could turn into $95 million if he becomes a starting quarterback. And we're going to get more context on that because on tomorrow's episode, I get Deuce McAllister's thoughts on it. Former New Orleans Saint, NFL and, and a New Orleans Saints legend coming through to give us some feedback on the Saints looking ahead and this contract. So he's going to be with us. So don't miss that in tomorrow's Wednesday episode. But for Analytics Tuesday today, we'll get into the numbers around the New Orleans Saints loss. But I want to start off with unfortunate news for the New Orleans Saints. The biggest story right now, the Saints still dealing with injuries and more injuries piling on. If you take a look at the injury report from yesterday, you're going to see several players that were estimated to be out. Remember, this is a simulated injury report because of the fact that the Saints didn't actually have practice on Monday following the Sunday game, but they are on a short week here going up against the Buffalo Bills on Thursday, Thanksgiving night. So we did see a couple of little bits of improvement. We saw Taysom Hill in full participation. We saw Trevor Simeon in full participation despite a new injury that he suffered. We saw uh, Teron Armstead end up limited, so he ended up moving up as well. Same thing for Ty Montgomery. But then we saw a list of players, including Landon Young, Alvin Kamara, and several others that were uh, listed as did not participate. That includes, of course, Ryan Ramchek, who already missed last week's game as well, where the Saints were down both Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek. The offensive line continues to complicate, but pass protection and run protection as a whole continue to complicate with the newest news coming out around the New Orleans Saints, including that fantastic run blocker and a guy that just came out and had his career high in catches with five career high in receiving yards with 58. Tight end Adam Troutman is expected to miss the next four to six weeks with an MCL sprain. He came down hard on a left on his left uh, leg and had to be helped off with you know assistance from coaches and medical staff. And so you could tell that there was something really bothersome uh, for him once he came down with a big catch there. But it's going to take him about four to six weeks to recover, which puts him effectively back week 17, week 18. So hopefully the New Orleans Saints are still in the fight at that point so that they could at least be a wild card team moving ahead. The Saints currently seventh right now, the seventh seed in the NFC, but a lot of losses, a lot of tie-breaking losses to NFC opponents. So something to watch out for as these next couple of games roll along. So what's going to happen for the New Orleans Saints without Adam Troutman? Well, Thankfully, they actually just ended up getting back to their lineup in the same game that Adam Troutman was injured, Nick Vanette, the veteran tight end that they had waited all season to get back from injured reserve. 
Uh, he had been on injured reserve for the first few weeks of the year, then they brought him back, and then he seemed to push it all the way to the limit before they were able to actually activate him, get him back on the 53-man roster. And we finally saw him last week, had a nice catch down the seam, down the middle from Trevor Simeon late in the game. It looks like he will now be the tight end one moving in, but you can also look to see more responsibility for players like Juwan Johnson and Garrett Griffin. Juwan Johnson, who has curiously been inactive two of the last three games, I assumed in the game against Philly that the reason why he was inactive was because they were going with more of their blocking tight ends in that case, Adam Troutman, Nick Vanette, Garrett Griffin, because I figured it was going to be a very run-heavy, run-focused approach by the New Orleans Saints. But unfortunately, they got down early, had to immediately switch to the passing game where it would have been nice to have a guy like Juwan Johnson on the field. So expect to see more Nick Vanette, expect to see more Juwan Johnson moving forward. And don't be surprised if the New Orleans Saints bring in some additional tight ends to get a look at at some point over the next couple of weeks, potentially even elevating a guy like Ethan Wolf from the practice squad just to get another look at some other options at the position while they've now lost Someone at tight end, at wide receiver, several losses on the offensive line, starting quarterback and running back. So all five of your major position groups on the offense have taken a hit at some point this season. So we're going to see exactly how the Saints end up finding their way to rebound from all of this. But right now, all eyes are on what this team is going to look like going into the game up against the Buffalo Bills. We know that they're still dealing with injuries and they're still sort of managing Alvin Kamara at this point. He was estimated as it did not participate. We'll see today on Tuesday if he ends up returning to practice, even at a limited uh, role. Remember, he returned limited on Tuesday last week or Wednesday last week before moving to DNP on Thursday and Friday and then not playing. Did they make the decision to not play him last week, knowing that they were going to be on the short week this week going up against the Buffalo Bills and maybe wanted to give him more time? We'll see exactly what it is that happens here because the Saints could certainly use some dynamic, some boost over on the offensive side, and Alvin Kamara would certainly, certainly help to provide that. And in addition to Alvin Kamara, are we going to see Taysom Hill take snaps at quarterback going up against the Buffalo Bills, especially if you're still dealing with injuries along the offensive line? It's going to be tough, and maybe having a mobile quarterback can help. It's going to be hard for any quarterback to be able to sit back there and pass if you're down your two starting tackles and you're starting left guard again, and you have a guy making his second career start and Landon Young, if he's available, because remember, he's dealing with an injury as well. He went to the injury tent for a play up against Philly, but then showed up as estimated DNP when it came to Monday's uh, sort of simulated injury report. So a lot to watch for this New Orleans Saints team when it comes to health, when it comes to what move they're going to make next. But what we know for sure, no Adam Troutman for the next four to six weeks, and then potentially seeing a lot more of Nick Vanette and Juwan Johnson moving forward as receiving as well as blocking tight end. So We'll see where the New Orleans Saints go on those other positions. But first, I want to make sure that we're breaking down everything that took place up against Philly. So we're going to look at everything by the numbers. Where did the New Orleans Saints run defense really, really struggle? It was in a place where usually they perform extremely well and are one of the best in the NFL. We'll talk about that and much more as we break down Sunday's loss to the Philadelphia Eagles by the numbers with our Analytics Tuesday here on today's episode of Locked on Saints. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. It's our Analytics Tuesday here, so we're going to break everything down by the numbers. But first, I want to make sure I thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day here on Locked on Saints. Very, very grateful to be a part of your 
routine. All right, uh, just a reminder, we got Deuce McAllister coming up tomorrow on the Wednesday episode to talk a little bit about what's going on with the New Orleans Saints. Trevor Simeon so far, should they go to Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill's contract? We talk about a whole bunch as well as just what it was like for him being a part of Rebirth, right? The the big homecoming game, the dome coming game for the New Orleans Saints. Of course, he was on that roster. So we'll talk through all of that and much more with uh, New Orleans Saints legend and Hall of Famer uh, Deuce McAllister. But I want to talk today a little bit more about this New Orleans Saints team and the break in breaking down uh, more of the loss up against the Philadelphia Eagles because the Saints struggled quite a bit where they're usually strong in run defense. And it's not just the overall thought about the fact that, yes, they gave up 242 uh, rushing yards, Ross, great analysis, but specifically, where did they give this this rushing yardage up? What we saw last year up against Philly was an inability to contain the running backs and to contain uh, Jalen Hurts. So a lot of running around the left tight end, around the right tight end, getting around those sort of ends, outside zone type situations, and those read options getting free to the outside. This time, the Saints gave up 106 rushing yards between the tackles with about 42 or 40 plus coming right in between the right guard and center. I mean, they really, really, really went at the Saints right in the gut of what they do. Now, they still had over 80 rushing yards to the left end, right? Getting around the left side of the defense. And that was Marcus Davenport's side. Marcus Davenport, as we observed yesterday, had a fantastic game. However, still these defensive ends, this Saints defense struggle with containing mobile quarterbacks to the outside. Again, 80 plus rushing yards alone to that left end getting outside there. So for the Saints, why did that happen? Why were they so weak on contain, but also so weak up the middle? And it became about the fact that they were trying to contain. Now, there were a lot of times where there are two different things that are happening here. Are the Saints able to contain on the outside while still putting pressure on the quarterback? That's usually a hard juggle. You kind of have to make the decision. Are you going to sit back and contain, or are you going to pursue and risk potentially over pursuing and giving up that running lane? So we saw a lot of hesitation from the Saints defensive line. There was a couple of plays and you can look at the read option with Cam Jordan, but even outside of that, there were a couple of plays where Jalen Hurts had all day, not because the Saints weren't able to pressure him, but because it looked like they weren't trying to. They just wanted to sort of keep him in that pocket and go with the mush rush. And that gives you a lot of running lanes up the middle for a running back because you're effectively creating space in between all of these defensive linemen, these defensive players, and giving them an open rushing lane up the middle. And usually you use a linebacker to try to fill that run fit, but they were kind of doing some curious things to where they were bringing the linebacker to like the B gap, and then they were bringing the defensive lineman into the A gap. And so there were a couple of things that the Saints were able to do successfully. I mean, they had a really, really nice sort of, um, really sort of nice like pick and twist type of situations where they ran Cam Jordan into the A-gap and then twisted the defensive lineman, the interior defensive lineman to the outside. So you saw them get pressure that way. But for the run defense, because of what they had to do to maintain uh, Jalen Hurts, you ended up giving up all of this yardage right up the middle. And for the Saints, it wasn't a situation where they were really overloading the box at all. They didn't do that very often. I mean, they played with their single high safety quite a bit, but they also had a lot of split safety looks, cover two shells over the top, two safeties over the top, all of that. So they still played their game, but unfortunately just couldn't get it going what they needed in the middle of that defensive line and in the middle of that front seven. So it was a bit of a struggle for them over on that side. Over on the offensive side, one of the things that was a big struggle for them, of course, was the offensive line. Now we shouldn't just go out there and like talk about how the offensive line was bad without context, right? We should look at this and understand that they were down Tron Armstead, they were down Ryan Ramchick, they were down Andrews Pete. You had 
Landon Young making his first start at left tackle, even though he's been practicing at right tackle since he got drafted to the NFL. You had James Hurst move from left tackle to right tackle. I mean, it was a whole shuffle. And so you ended up effectively having two players in new positions so far as this season goes, as opposed to just plugging Landon Young in at right tackle, which clearly the Saints didn't feel was the best option. So with that, the New Orleans Saints really struggled over on the offensive side. If you look at the pressures, we've got James Hurst giving up four. These are all according to Pro Football Focus. James Hurst gave up four total pressures. Landon Young, Calvin Throckmorton, Cesar Ruiz, and Eric McCoy all gave up two. Now, the interesting thing is that no sacks were allowed in this game by the Saints, or excuse me, by the Saints offensive line. However, it doesn't really come down to the sacks, right? How much pressure are you getting? How much time does Trevor Simeon have to throw? How much time does he not have to throw? Listen, I know we don't usually put a whole bunch of stock in pro football focus grading as opposed to the raw stats, but just listen to this. It, from best to worst amongst the starting five on the offensive line, Cesar Ruiz at 56.1. Yes, you heard that right. 56.1 is the best pass blocking grade that was given out by pro football focus. James Hurst, 53.2. Then we've got Landon Young at 31.7. Eric McCoy at 27.9. And Calvin Throckmorton at 25.4. Now, this is out of the ordinary. Usually, Calvin Throckmorton, as well as James Hurst and uh, Eric McCoy, at least, are all usually grading Hi, we don't usually see Landon Young in games, so we don't really have a barometer for him. And Cesar Ruiz is pretty standardly up and down. But for this game, just in terms of the pass rush productivity, which again, the the Eagles had, they weren't getting sacks, but they were getting pressures. They were getting after Trevor Simeon. They were forcing these quick throws. And it wasn't just the defensive line, right? There was the one play where Cesar Ruiz just had no idea where pressure was coming from from the second level, stepped right and opened the door directly for a linebacker to come from the second level right up the middle and create that immediate pressure. And as we've talked about before, immediate pressure, something that we want to see the Saints generate more over on the defensive side is something that they're very susceptible to in the offensive side. And we saw that in full light up against the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. What I will mention, though, in Trevor Simeon's defense or in his favor is that when he was able to throw the ball, he did well, particularly over the middle of the field, just as we expected. Eight of ten in the middle of the field, less than 10 yards, three or four, 20 yards downfield between the numbers and also had two touchdowns. They are 156.3 pass rating. So exactly where we knew the Eagles were weak, they were weak. But because of the way that that defensive line was playing and the way that the offensive line was struggling to hold off pressure, we weren't able to take advantage of it up until the Eagles got less aggressive late in the game and they were protecting effectively a three score lead at that point. So very, very hard to really pick up much from there. The the other part of this is that between 10 and 20 yards over the middle of the field, there were a lot of plays available. As I look through the film, you could see some of these crossing patterns, these deep overs, these deep in routes, these deep digs. You could see all of them sort of pop open every now and then. And that was sort of the game to where you finally saw these wide receivers getting those potential looks. You saw Traquan Smith with five catches. You saw Adam Troutman with five catches. You saw a lot of targets to wide receivers and tight ends in this game. But unfortunately, just missing on some of the other opportunities because when those opportunities were available, it was usually because there was also pressure coming, right? Pressure vacated those zones, leaving those areas open, but the pressure got there before the ball could get out of Trevor Simeon's hands or before Trevor Simeon could get the ball to that specific place because he had to run away from that. Now, Trevor Simeon had a nice jaunt for a rushing touchdown. That was really great, but this is one of those situations where it does make you wonder, does the ceiling of this offense raise a little bit having a more mobile quarterback. And we need to see Taysom Hill improve as a scramble to throw quarterback, right? Scrambling, getting outside, throwing the ball. But either way, if you have the opportunity to potentially introduce that to your offense, is now the time to do that, to try to raise that ceiling? It's a question we'll continue to ask until, of course, we get to that Thanksgiving game on uh, on Thursday. 
Uh, I want to get to the defense really quickly and just talk about a couple of little things, just breaking down coverage here for this one. Uh, when it came to the coverage uh, coverage day here, Quan Alexander targeted six times, gave up five catches, but only for 29 yards. So he's going to get dinged in terms of allowing an 83.3 reception percentage, but honestly, did a pretty good job on his end, allowing only allowing 25 of those uh, as yards after catch. So not really a ton going on in terms of what he allowed. Marshawn Lattimore targeted three times, allowed three catches for 34, excuse me, for 53 yards, 34 after the catch, gave up the big catch on the crossing pattern to Devontae Smith that we've all seen several times throughout the week. I do want to shout out Paulson Adebo here, uh, targeted twice, allowed only one catch uh, for four yards, but beyond that, 56.3 passer rating when targeted in this game, but he was also credited with a pair of run stops as well. And Let's also talk about the hometown guy, Christian Ringo, former Ragin' Cajun. The guy was cut, waved just about a week ago, brought back to the team this week, got out there, made a huge tackle for a loss early on in the game, credited with uh, four run stops in this one, and of course, forced and recovered the fumble that stood, the, the one takeaway that the Saints did have in this game. So shout out to Christian Ringo, the former Raging Cajun. We talked a little bit yesterday about the Marcuses, right? Marcus Davenport's big game, uh, Marcus Williams' big game, and some of the other offensive games. You want to hear more about those, head back over to the first Monday episode of Locked on Saints. But for now, we're going to turn our attention back to the offense for a moment to talk about Mark Ingram in the game that could have been for him. It kind of got stymied because of the fumble, but we should talk about how impactful he was despite that fumble and why we shouldn't uh, really write him off just off of that one mistake. We'll talk about that and much more as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Continuing our look at the New Orleans Saints uh, so far following that uh, Philadelphia Eagles game ahead of the short week, heading to the Buffalo Bills or, or hosting the Buffalo Bills at home. And despite the fact that the Saints are going to be hosting the Bills at home, they are Four-point underdogs in this one, according to our friends over at BetOnline.ag. So if you like that, you don't like that, go ahead and check it out over at BetOnline.ag. Get on, on the, get in on the action. Make the game a little bit more fun that way. And if you don't want to bet on your favorite team, I understand that. They might have some fun Thanksgiving props, though, right? Who bites the first turkey leg? What's going on? All of that. So that'll definitely be something to check out. But if you don't want to bet on the NFL, you can look at the NBA. You can look at the NHL, which is always fun to bet on. And there's always some weird fun props as well. Luke Braun, who co-hosts with me over at Locked on NFL on Tuesdays, did the uh, Tom Brady over under half rushing yard. So does he get a rushing yard? Does he not get a rushing yard? in a game and ended up cashing in last night uh, on the Monday night football game where you had the seven yard run by Tom Brady. So a lot of fun stuff that you can always get in on to help make the game just that little bit more interesting. And they also have your favorite Vegas casino games as well. And best of all, if you're a new customer, make sure you use the promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus. That's 50% on top of your first deposit with the promo code locked on at betonline.ag where the game starts. Let's get it. Houdat Nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints to look at Mark Ingram, who had a fantastic day, but had it all taken away from him because of a fumble. If we erase that fumble from Mark Ingram, which I know is hard to do, right? It's a turnover. That turnover led to points, all of that. But when it comes down to it, when you look at what Mark Ingram's day could have been, he was on pace for a really, really nice day. And, you know, he had the fumble and we know that. But let's look at everything else. And the reason why I'm saying let's look at everything else is because usually Mark Ingram probably won't be carrying the football 16 times in a game, not when Alvin Kamara is healthy. And so you're still seeing this sort of ability to churn and this ability to fight through contact 
when it comes to Mark Ingram and his game. And that's good news for the New Orleans Saints who are going to be looking to make sure that they can kind of pair him up with Alvin Kamara moving forward, right? Throughout the rest of the season, getting Boom and Zoom back together after the trade with the Houston Texans. And remember, he's also on contract next year because the Saints somehow convinced the Texans to give him an extension for them. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And we just leave it to that. We just leave it at that. Uh, But for (laughs) uh, marking, we had 16 carries for 88 yards. It's an average of 5.5 yards per carry. This dude was cooking y'all in the run game. And uh, a lot of it came after contact. It's the other thing. So he was creating his own yards. And that's a really important thing to consider because even if we look at, let's say like Alvin Kamara's best game, which would probably be the game up against the Seattle Seahawks, 33 yards after, uh, after contact there. And that includes like some of the passing yards and passing opportunities and things like that. So when you get 69 nice yards after the, after contact, on top of 88, uh, uh, you know, or, or as a part of 88 total, you're really creating your own rushing yardage at that point. And that's really important when you have a hampered or an injured offensive line, right? Now, we know that Philly's defense isn't the best run defense in the NFL, but honestly, neither is Buffalo's. I mean, when you look at Philly, they're allowing 4.1 yards per carry on the season. The Bills, 4.1 yards per carry on the season. And remember, the Saints have done this to the Bills before. And we, of course, saw what happened last week when it came to Jonathan Taylor tailback running all over, running wild on those Buffalo Bills. So can the Saints, I don't want to say replicate that success or replicate the success of the 2017 game up against Buffalo, but can they replicate this success that they had with Mark Ingram on the ground, 5.5 yards per carry going up against Buffalo? And are they able to perform a little bit better against that Buffalo team over on the defensive side in order to be able to keep this game manageable enough for you to be able to lean on the run game a little bit more and maybe dictate the game that way, which is what the Saints probably wanted to do. I don't think that the Saints wanted to let the Philadelphia Eagles rush for rush 50 times. I mean, that is a ton of rushes, y'all. Like That just does not happen in the NFL. So obviously the Saints did not want that to be the case. They wanted to be able to dictate the game a little bit more on the ground. So maybe you're able to open up that opportunity going up against the Buffalo Bills with the sort of confidence you now have in Mark Ingram and have maintained in Mark Ingram. The thing that's really unique about Mark Ingram's running is that when we think about him, we think about him as a north and south between the tackles runner, which isn't wrong by any means. But when it comes down to it in this game, he got most of his rushing yards over to the right end. So on the opposite side of the of the tight end lined up on the right. Now, we should also give Traquan Smith a lot of credit for making a down block on a defensive end that allowed Mark Ingram to run for 20 plus yards in there over on that side. But hey, that's part of the game, right? That's exactly what you want to see is that type of execution. One of the reasons why you probably didn't see a lot of Deontay Harris snaps in this one is because they wanted those blocking wide receivers uh, Traquan Smith, and then of course, little Jordan Humphrey out there, as well as a couple of others. But for the Saints, what you're seeing with Mark Ingram is somebody that's still able to give you inside zone, outside zone, still able to be scheme versatile, which is one of the things that we really liked about the fact that they had Mark Ingram to go to going back to the Tennessee Titans game, right? Because we were talking about who was going to sort of be the change of pace guy for them. They really just leaned on Mark Ingram in this one. Like they didn't really have a change of pace back in this game. They just went with Mark Ingram and said, whatever you can give us, give us. And he gave them a lot. And unfortunately, yes, he had the fumble. Yes, he had the fumble. So that's going to ruin his entire day. And I understand that. But honestly, his performance up until that fumble, and even a little bit after, was still really, really good and should still put you in a situation to where even if the Saints can't move forward with Alvin Kamara next week, you can still feel confident getting the running game going. It's just you're missing everything else when it comes to Alvin Kamara. And that's the issue, right? You're missing the passing back out of the backfield. You're missing the mismatch option. You're missing the guy that can line up in the slot, line up out wide, 
that can motion all over the place and everything. Mark Ingram's not going to give you that. He's not. But he is going to give you somebody that can reliably run the ball for you. So I wanted to make sure that we shouted him out because I didn't give him a game ball yesterday at the end of Monday's episode because of the fumble. But I still wanted to shout him out. Every Analytics Tuesday, we always try to shout out the the players that have like good individual performances. And outside of that fumble, Mark Ingram is probably one of your best players on the offensive side, if not the best player on the offensive side, aside from the guy that had the best game of his career so far in Adam Troutman, but unfortunately now is going to be out for four to six weeks. So, you know, look, that's just the way that this New Orleans Saints season has gone so far. Can they turn it around? And does it all start on a holiday on Thanksgiving? We'll talk about that and much more tomorrow as we get into the film on Wednesday. And then, of course, we'll be joined, like I mentioned, by Deuce McAllister, NFL and New Orleans Saints legend to open up the show and talk a little bit about everything around these New Orleans Saints. So thanks so much, everybody. As always, make it as your first listen of the day here on the show. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked on Bets. Win yourself some money with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Appreciate you being here. And as always, for everything in between, you can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.